Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the People's Show. Coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. Bick Nazar, Josh Elliott Wolf here with you for the next two hours. Elon Actually, running uh, the show. Aaron Rodgers asked me not to be on the show today. <laughs> so, guess I'm not on the show. <laughs> and he specifically asked for Dom to also be producing the show. What a guy. <laughs> he just goes back with Dom. He's helping out all the folks, all the friends. Uh, breaking news, Eddie Lacy signed by the Jets. <laughs> Would any name at this point surprise you? If it was like Ryan Grant, let's go way back. Packers running backs. Dorsey Levins. Amon Green. Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson. Yeah. He comes out. James Jones stops working for NFL Network and lines up wearing 89 for the New York Jets. Would anything surprise you at this Brett stage? Brett Favre. <laughs> that, that would I be want surprising. him to back me up. That would surprise me. This is pretty wild. The Aaron Rodgers stuff. Here's my thing is that he, and we were talking about this before, mm-hmm. is like he isn't asking for anyone good to mm-hmm. be brought in. He's asking for his friends. To his be guys. Which is, and, and I mean, I guess you can make the case that Alan Lazard is a capable wide receiver three and Mercedes Lewis. I, I don't Randall Cobb is not. I will say, anymore. okay. I don't know. Let's talk about the on-field benefit of this. Okay. Cause you, you need to play functional offense, right? It's not just about like Alan Lazard's not as good as Corey Davis. And so don't do this. Right. There are, there are merits to why Alan Lazard deserves to be on the field with the New York Jets. He's I like a, Alan Lazard. He's a really good blocking receiver. Mm-hmm. Okay? Like, exceptional. They have Brees Hall, so they're going to run the ball. They kind of have a weak offensive line. They're going to have to make some improvements. But they have some holes on the offensive line. You know what's going to help? Someone like Alan Lazard. That's going to help. Mercedes Lewis, arguably the best blocking tight end in the league. Yeah. So, there's reasons why some of this makes sense here. But do you think Aaron Rodgers is worried about their run game? No. I think Aaron Rodgers is aware of the idea that these guys can help other facets. Also having a personal relationship with these guys. But let's not kid ourselves. He's bringing in his boys. I joked last year. We we, we talked to Danny Kelly every Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. In November at one point. When like the Packers season was maybe starting to pick up. I joked. I was like, if you're going to target anyone in fantasy right now, just get Aaron Rodgers' friends. Just get Robert Tanyan. Just get Randall Cobb. Just get Alan Lazard. Forget whoever else they have. Just get his friends. And I was kind of joking about it. And what's happened this free agency, he's literally just getting his friends yeah. onto the team. And, look, player empowerment's a real thing. You get leverage. Like, players seldom get leverage, especially in the NFL. I would put that across all sports, but especially in the NFL in the age of no guaranteed contracts and all this sort of stuff. It's hard to get leverage. And in a rare moment, another team is giving Aaron Rodgers leverage, and he's leaning into it in every which way. Here's the thing I don't get. Because he complained and moaned for years in Green Bay, wanting to be part of the decision-making process. Mm-hmm. Okay, He wanted to be 
someone who could go out and be a recruiter. Sat at the podium and said, guys want to come play here. I can bring guys here. So he gets this opportunity. Who's he recruiting? His whole thing was, let me be a recruiter. Let me be part of the team building process. You're only recruiting your guys. So no one's like going out of their way to end up in New York. You're only recruiting Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb. Bring in the marquee guys. Yeah. Where's this this Aaron Rodgers aura? But he is getting to recruit his guys. Yeah. They were always there in Green Bay. Right, I understand that, but you're 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 essentially saying that like he wanted to be given the opportunity to recruit. He's given that he's getting that opportunity right now. Then it's not a, a matter, recruiter. but then, it's not a matter of who he's recruiting. It's the ma- it's a matter of he's given the opportunity to bring in whoever he wants. Let him be happy. But the most is Randall Cobb. Then let him throw to Randall Cobb. Then why is he bitched and moaned for two plus seasons in Green Bay? Because he didn't all like it in guys? Green Bay. What He's was the a- big complaint? Winning 13 games? Like, what was the big problem? They drafted Jordan Love. Oh, my goodness. How dare they prepare for the future? How dare they He's do that? He's an MVP and quarterback. You know, why, you know why you draft Jordan Love? Because you get tired of dealing with this. Bro, he went out they- and won an MVP two years ago. There's no reason to draft So what's Jordan his big Love. complaint? He was winning MVPs. Why leave Green Bay? I, his, thought, I thought he wanted to part in the decision-making his process. His big complaint is that he wasn't a part of the decision-making process. And his big reveal is he's just going to bring in his friends. It's just That's an ego it. play. Yeah, it's just, absolutely. It's just Aaron Rodgers. And this is the thing. You have to maintain this. This is my big worry. It fits perfectly into the New York state of mind. He like this ego, this this me 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 narcissism fits yeah. perfectly into New York. That's a bit worrying. It's not worrying. If you're uh, wear- I it's would be not worrying. worrying. It's is, not worrying at this all. This is literally the thing you should be worried about. This is the big concern with Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers was timid or reserved, or then I'd be worried because, like, you can't walk into New York City with that attitude. You can't. You have to be all about yourself. This is the Denver Broncos thing all over. It's like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. Like, Russell Wilson, we're giving him everything. It's going to be okay. This is this literally playing out for the New York Jets. It's not. It's, it's not. It's, hey, We'll do whatever you want, and we're okay with you. You are in charge over everyone. Th- that is the big worry here. They needed to put a line in the sand. They decided not they to. They did not need to put a line in the sand. They are conceding this everything. This is a franchise that hasn't had a quarterback exactly. since, since the 60s. They're so desperate. Everything like this reeks of desperation, and we'll do whatever we can. Yes. He might get a Broadway show. Yes. You know why? Because the alternative is Zach Wilson. Yeah. There is no alternative. Because you give Aaron Rodgers everything. You know what the alternative is. Because this organization has continually done misstep after misstep after misstep, and now they're risking it all. They're risking it all for Aaron Rodgers and all his buddies. Yes. And do we know that this is going to be like more than one year of Aaron Rodgers? It doesn't have to be. Uh, Ranger I'm, texting in, 650-650. Aaron Rodgers going full Spice Girls is literally telling the Jets if they want to be his lover, they have to get with his friends. <laughs> I love that. Strong. Strong. Friendship never ends. True. My, my thing is, like, to your point, if you want to be a recruiter, that's fine. But as, as you can recruit your friends, but also then be like, hey, maybe I want Devontae Adams. Yeah. They have a star wide receiver. You don't need to bring in Devontae Adams. My you point, have the guy. You but, have the next Justin Jefferson sitting there, Josh. Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. His, he was supposed to bring in, like, the next wave. He's getting, like, situational blockers. 
I like I I was under the impression that everyone wanted to play with Aaron Rodgers. He's just finding his own guys. This and so all this complaining that he's done for the previous three years and the constant Aaron Rodgers drama. Will he? Won't he retire? Is just going to the same thing of like, oh, I, I just want to play with my friends. This he's lines asked- up. Hold on. This lines up as Aaron Rodgers' last dance. His version of it. Get my guys together. That I was, want one more kick at this. That was literally last year. Him and Devontae Adams posting the, the photo of uh, Michael Jordan and, and Scottie Pippen. Sorry, that was two years ago, yeah. last dance. Devontae Dude. left. It's, it's not Aaron Rodgers' last dance still. He's played another year. I mean, he's 40 years old this season. He's clearly not. There's like, there's not many chances left. This is it. <laughs> not many dances left. Exactly. Left his, his well, they just signed Alan Lazard to a four-year deal, so I'm sure they have uh, They can cut him after of... two years. It's fine. That's uh. My thing is, like, he's recruiting people that the team would have needed to get anyway as far as, like, situational blockers and right. stuff. Well, Corey Davis is not a bad blocker. Sure. So, like, yeah, just roll they're, with Davis. They're, they're cutting Corey Davis to make room for a friend of his. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that's just, like, there's not – It doesn't I, move the needle either way. Yeah, exactly. So you're just but making like, your quarterback happy. I don't see the issue. But to what extent are you going to make that quarterback happy? I guess we'll see. We'll see if they're good enough to take down uh, Justin Herbert and the Chargers or that's the other Cincinnati thing. Bengals. You then have to go through the AFC and the Jets play can't well. move conferences, guys. You can only be as good as you can be. Like, I, like <laughs> what are you saying? Like, you're saying Aaron Rodgers should ask the NFL to move the Jets to the NFC East? That would be the, the thing a is, good is demand. like when you bet on yourself the way Aaron Rodgers has. And you're like, hey, my the guys I know are the best. And you get to go up against Josh Allen twice a year, and you have to go against Joe Burrow at some point, and you have to go up against uh, Patrick Mahomes at some point in the playoffs, and Justin Herbert. You better be right. You better be right. You you go out of your way this much to hold a franchise at ransom, you still have to go win playoff games. And when it doesn't happen, it's all going to be on Aaron Rodgers. And he better be comfortable with it. Why are we acting like Aaron Rodgers is Derek Carr? He's he's a this is an MVP level quarterback. Two years ago he was. You're telling me that's just gone. He's forty I, years old. This he's is 40, so, like things, life hits you pretty fast, man. I don't know. Go talk to Tom Brady. He won a Super Bowl what 42, 43? I also trust Tom Brady's like regimen much more than it's they're Tom. both all time uh. quarterbacks. Is, I, is, I, is he as a – what's the uh, Brady term? He's got to be uh, pliable. <laughs> is Aaron Rodgers all about pliability? We live in a world with sports medicine live where guys society. are playing later into their, their, their years because of how good sports medicine but is. But that's – to what I would say is like him winning uh, an MVP two years ago was already an incredible feat for his age. And now it's like, okay, maybe, maybe he's a top 10 quarterback, and that's fine. But something the Jets haven't had since when? Yeah, That's exactly. But do you? You're like compromising everything for one year of a. What's top the alternative? Build, make aspire. It, yeah, have it take longer. Dude, we've been building for since <laughs> Sanchez took us to the AFC Championship game. What are you talking about? Six fifty, six fifty. Vicky from Poco. Bix just jealous. Uh, the Jets might get both Rodgers and Lazar, and maybe Cobb. Uh, the the Seahawks uh, jersey and not green uh, from Envy, Vicky from Poco. Hey, man, they signed Draymond Jones. Great deal. Great deal. Let let someone else at the DT market and come in right below it on a guy who's uh, slightly, slightly worse than Javon Hargrave.
good deal. Why I do you, why does everyone think this is not going to work out? Because it seems because very, it's the New York Jets. It's the New York have, Jets. And I don't it's have Aaron Jets. If it's I don't any have other any, team. You have no issue. With I have this. the only way I can describe it is it's the New York Jets. That's why, because they are fine with compromising on their morals for this. Man, if the Vegas Raiders did this, we wouldn't be having the same conversation. Uh, no, we would. I would. I would have I'd, a lot of questions. I, but for me, it's more based on like Aaron Rodgers and just his. I, I, I just don't trust that it's all going to work out. And he's going to be fine for the whole season once he gets his way this time. Uh, 650-650. Keep coming in with the thoughts uh, into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver. Online at DunbarLumber.com. We'll have some tickets to give away as well later on in the show. Snoop Dogg tickets. I think we need to come up with a competition for this. We, we keep preaching uh, competition for the Vancouver Canucks and increasing uh, the internal compete. Man, we are giving out some fire tickets weekly right now on the People's Show. So what would the competition be like? Something. Who some- has the best style? Whoever Ooh, can- I like your style. <laughs> Whoever can recruit their friends <laughs> to listen to the People's Show. Yeah, F- only five, our friends. Five star though. reviews. We don't want stars. any good. We don't want the best listeners. We just want you to bring your friends. <laughs> uh, we'll talk to Mark Schofield coming up in about twenty minutes, uh, as we do every Tuesday about uh, Aaron Rodgers and everything happening, and also some F one talk. Because now Mark's our uh, F one guy mm-hmm. as well. F one season in full swing. Second race this week. Yeah, you hyped? Fairly indifferent. <laughs> yeah, that's fairly great. indifferent. I'm the F1 guy on this show. Yeah, Josh, no, now I'm here too. J- Josh, for the next two weeks, is uh, also the F1 guys. Uh, yeah, but yeah, Where we won't they? get into it too far. They're in uh, Saudi Arabia this week. Okay, Bahrain was the opening one. Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, and then All I right. think uh, Australia is the next one. They they just go places, man. Mm. They do it. Then they race cars there. Big, <laughs> big following. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Again, we'll talk to Mark Schofield uh, with uh, F1. And then Yannick Hansen is going to join us at 3.30 today on a, an extended version of the People Show while the PDO cast uh, is away for a couple of weeks. Canucks game tonight. It is a Canucks game day. Uh, things uh, dropping today at 7 o'clock versus the Dallas Stars, who were playing in Seattle last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so will we see a depleted version of the Dallas Stars? On a back-to-back. I think they've also played four and six, if I'm not mistaken, as well. So I know Drance and Jamie were talking about this uh, to start their show, that this might be, like, if you fully believe that this Canucks team has kind of turned a corner or at least has is playing better under Mm -hmm. target to a point where they could be a playoff-caliber team, this theoretically, if you look at their opponent, could be a must-win game. I'm not sure I subscribe to that. Um, cause you look at the three game, the last three games for Dallas, they beat the Sabres 10 to four. They beat the Kraken four, three in overtime and then beat the Kraken again, five to two. And now they're in Vancouver. Um, I just, to me, I, I don't know if I need to see them win as much as I need to see them play like they did against Ottawa and just keep playing the same way. Because to me, that's just more you're, – you're able to carry that into next season. Yeah, I don't know how many games we're going to get the rest of the way and be like, oh, this is the game. Like, we're not going to be here in October next year, and they start well and be like, 
Remember that game on March 14th? Against the Dallas Stars? That was the one where we realized they had finally figured it out. I don't know if we're going to get any one single game like that the rest of this way here. Especially when we're calling for reduced minutes for Quinn Hughes, JT Miller, and Elias Pettersson. And we're talking about, hey, but Colson and Kravstov need a couple more minutes. If we're treating this as extended training camp, I do kind of look at that and say, I... Is there any one game we're going to look at and say, hey, they're starting to figure it out? Over the totality of these 10, 12 games, has it gotten better? Yes, but as I've said, the idea that this will carry over next year is also dependent upon management finding new demon. If they come back next year and we're talking about Hughes, Myers, OEL, Burroughs, Wolanin, Bear, that group, I have my doubts that this is suddenly solved and that they're going to play 600 hockey, be a team that's above 100 points. I have my doubts. I'm approaching next season. I didn't mention Heroic's name, but he belongs in there. I hope so. I'm approaching this offseason, and and my thoughts on what the Canucks can do next season, under the assumption, which is a daring assumption, but I'm going to make the assumption, that there's going to be changes to the blue line. You, you kind of have to. By hook or by crook, whatever moves they make, I firmly believe there will be another addition on the blue line. And it would ideally, well, I think it kind of has to be someone that can effectively kill penalties and effectively be like a shutdown defenseman. Has to be. Uh, and I don't know where you're going to find that. Like, is Gavrikov that guy? Maybe. But even then, I'm, I'm not super sold on him and especially the price he's going to come with. But, no, I agree. Like, you have to be able to – for me, I'm sold on the way this team is playing now. But there's still so many question marks in terms of, like, actual talent on the team that if they came back next year and tried to run it back, I would have – Okay. When you say you're sold, okay, because I do think there's sentiment. And then, like, these are steps, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm partway down the pathway as far as – Oh, the, the Rick Tockett hockey is improved, and it's better. Mm-hmm. When, and I've seen the sentiment from fans that are like, hey, yep, I'm all in. I'm encouraged. I, I'm like, I'm with people there. Like, there's reasons to believe that this is the way that it should go. But I feel like we're also like 1-6-1 game away from being like, oh, maybe this doesn't work. Like, th- there was a Kraken game where it was 6-1. There was a Detroit game where it was 6-1. That's 10-plus games removed. But if that happens again, because it's liable to happen to this version of this Canucks, mm-hmm. I feel like that's all it takes to be like, you know what, maybe we overstepped a bit too soon. It there's de- there's reasons to be encouraged, but I feel like we're also a game away from that happening too. It it depends on the way it happens. Because like you could lose 6-1. I mean, 6-1 is 6-1. 6-1 is, is bad. But you could lose some It's games. not like there's an empty netter in there <laughs> that's like, oh, you know what, they are just unlucky yeah, in the last tough goal. Tough break. No, I, like, I get that. It's just the the way the underlying numbers, the way they're actually playing with structure and systems right now. Like I do agree, there there might be some momentary lapses, mm-hmm. but as long as you're consistently putting in the same effort you have been lately, then I'm at least yeah maybe encouraged is a better word than sold because I need to see before I'm completely sold. I need to see them play like this to start start the season next year. And I think a lot of Canucks fans are in the same boat where it's you you want to be encouraged by this, but we just saw this happen 12, 13 months mm-hmm. ago with Boudreaux. So it's it's cautiously optimistic that if they can keep 
this similar structure, similar systems, and carry it over to next year while also adding on defense, like you said, then I'm much closer to being sold on this and, pitch by management. And, and there's people just yelling. They're like, how are you going to add? You're you're practically over the cap right now. Yeah. Uh, he, like, Here's the thing. Somewhere, whether it's the $13.26 million between OEL and Myers or the – uh, what is it? 11.6 million of Garland and Besser. Like you've got to turn that 25. I just, what is that? 25 million dollars? 24. 24.9. So 24, 25 ish. Like that is very inefficient money mm-hmm. for guys that are essentially playing third line minutes in your forward group and second pairing minutes. Second pairing minutes, but not playing at a high level. Yes. Probably should be third pair. We're just talking about minutes, not even yeah, effectiveness yeah. in those minutes. For sure. They've got to turn that $25 million into effective minutes. Now, do I think they're going to get it all done? No. But can they get $11 million of that done? And that's why I've talked about like the money just going to have to shift around, but it just has to work better for you. Yeah. And... Man, that is a huge chunk. They're going to have to make at least, at least $11 million of that work in their favor. What I've said for the last couple, like since the Heronic trade is, I think you are you are unserious about this retool if you don't buy out OEL. Mm-hmm. Like you have to buy out OEL. And I know you're dealing with the $4.76 million for a couple years in 25, 26, 26, 27. But you have to trust yourself enough that you're going to be able to find a player that is contributing the equivalent to what OEL is at minimum now for cheaper than that buyout 2. cost 8. plus. Yeah. You're, you essentially need to find a $2.8 million D-man that matches Oliver ekman Larson's production. And we've been watching Christian Willan and Guillaume Brisois play this season. And would you say either of them are a huge step down, a huge step down from OEL? Like, is there a is there that think, big of a cost gap between them? Uh, I think individually, there might be, but overall impact. But the fact that you can use Breezeball and PK and will land in on a power play two role to make up the difference, I think you can see like, hey, two guys can do the job of one guy here. And OEL, the thing OEL, I'm not gonna praise him here, but <laughs> like he can eat a lot of minutes. Yeah, not effectively, but he. he but like he as does a it. I think we do this thing where we think all athletes are built the same. Mm-hmm. And we can recognize, like, hey, different speed, but all that. But I think we assume, like, endurance, they're all the same, and that's not true. Just because some guys can play 22 minutes doesn't mean all guys can play 22 minutes. If you play Willan in 22 minutes every single night, let's see how he looks in the fifth and sixth, seventh game. Because I think yeah. it might look a bit different. But can you use Willan and Breezeball in 12 minutes each and make up a 22-minute difference in, in OEL because OEL is going to be the same over the 22 minutes it's just how effective are you yeah that's the issue and I, I'm more saying like as far as those guys go like they can fill a spot on your third pair and that's assuming you you got someone with that money you saved from the OEL sure. buyout to fill in on the second pair and actually take the PK minutes effectively from OEL and as far as the the power play I think Heronic is going to be given yeah every opportunity on power play too to to make that work um but yeah, and then, so if you get that done, then I think you just have to move one of, you take a lot of pressure off yourself if you know you're able to get that done. 
And then you have to just move one of Besser, Myers, or Garland. Ideally more, but one of, and then I think you have enough room to find pieces for your defense. Uh, this one, uh, where is this Ronick dude anyways? Does he actually actually exist? He's like Schrodinger's cat right now. <laughs> Schrodinger's D-man. He could be Philip Ronick. He could also just be salary cap space. Yeah, He's uh, in Little Prague right now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Vic Nazar, Josh Elliott, Wolf. A lot of good thoughts. Uh, a lot of Aaron Rodgers thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. We'll read a couple of those on the other side. We'll get into it with Mark Schofield from SB Nation. He joins us every Tuesday here on the People Show. All on the way, home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to the People Show. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. Four hours away from Canucks and Stars at Rogers Arena. When you say four hours away, it feels a lot longer than I thought. I was like, oh, only four hours away. It's actually. <laughs> that is two whole shows away. <laughs> The rest of this show and uh, all of Canuck Central still to come uh, the rest of the way uh, till we get to Stars and Canucks. TV pregame tonight, by the way. 6.30. You'll see uh, Sat and Dan on your televisions on Sportsnet Pacific. So tonight, we were talking earlier. Um, oh, by the way, big shout out to Calvin winning our Snoop Dogg tickets. More chances tomorrow here on The People Show. Uh, to win Snoop Dogg tickets, the high school reunion tour with Wiz Khalifa, Too Short, Warren G, many others, coming to July 7th at Rogers Arena. Don't Are we sure it. it's not pronounced Calvin? Like Patrick Calvin? Patrick Calvin? Yeah. I think we'll just stick with Calvin. Move on. I think we'll just stick with Calvin. Congrats, Calvin. Uh, all right. Game day versus stars. We were talking earlier. You know, could, could you do things tonight that prove this is working one of the better opponents that the Canucks are going to see uh, for a while. Um, there's going to be a San Jose and Anaheim and Arizona. They play LA's LA, in there. but there's Chicago, St. Louis, Calgary coming up. Uh, a couple of games versus uh, LA. And but, a Vegas game. But yeah, and I, a get Vegas game. I get your point. Um, but the Dallas Stars, winners of three in a row. I think they've won six of the last seven, seven of their last nine. So they're stringing along some serious victories right now and getting themselves ready for the playoffs as one of the premier teams in the West. What are the elements that you look at tonight and say, hey, this is the thing that's starting to improve? I know we talked about if they get a result tonight, it really shows. You know, the one thing I will say that I'm looking at is special teams, more specifically the penalty kill, because Dallas right now is in a run of 10 goals in the last 34 power plays. Canucks power play has or penalty kill has improved most notably that they're scoring shorthanded goals they've got five in the last bunch here kind of wild but they are you know three of 25 in their last penalty kills so obviously some improvement 
uh, from the Canucks penalty kill. But tonight would be a great indicator if they were to kill them all off, however many there are, to say, okay, this is something, and especially look functional. I'm not talking like Thatcher Denko stands on his head, turns them all away, and suddenly we're like, oh, wow, penalty kill's great. You want the penalty kill to be like it's been in the last few games. Yeah. If that carries over, then I'll say like, okay, there's some levels of improvement to a much maligned unit so far this year. And that doesn't necessarily mean you need to uh, push on offense like you have been lately, but Mm -hmm. you have to be able to – stifle the and like the power plays are gonna get chances yeah that's fine you're, you're literally down a man yeah but you have to limit how much you give up in those scenarios and earlier in the year it was it was it tended to be the first or second chance on the power play the other team's power play that the canucks would give up a goal um so you just want to see them successfully kill penalties and, and like have structure while doing it and and be able to get through moments of chaos because that's going to happen on the power play as well um i do think the canucks the canucks power play also also has to show improvements Um, there's been real problems on the canucks power play four of 26 four of 25 uh in recent stretches here yeah and i don't think that's going to get that's obviously not going to get solved in one game but um besser back on the on the top power play in in beauvillier spot um I don't oh, know. officially Beauvillier spot, not even the bumper. Well, it's Beauvillier spot. <laughs> yeah. In the spot formerly known as Bo Horvat spot. Um I it, I I don't know if that excites me at all. It really you know doesn't. What I mean? not um, Especially if we're talking here recently of merit being the reason guys have earned opportunities. What exactly has Brock Besser done recently? They're like, "You know what? First unit power play in the premium spot." Or one of the premium spots, because uh, Canucks do try to funnel that puck towards the pumper spot. There just hasn't been a lot there. It's still going to go through JT Miller. It's still going to go through Quinn Hughes. They're still just going to try to find Elias Pettersson for a one-timer. But that bumper spot has been rather pivotal for guys to get pucks on, stick on puck, get some deflections. Beauvillier's shown a little something, probably more so than Brock Besser, in that bumper spot to score a tip in it's still going to come down to Andre Kuzmenko in front of the net mm-hmm. obviously but they're they're grasping at straws now for that fifth spot on the power play would you rather have Kuzmenko in the bumper spot than Besser and Besser net front no I mean to be honest in theory yes thing is is they never funnel the puck towards Elias Pettersson for playmaking duties right Elias Pettersson's job is basically take people away from the center of the ice and if they come that way towards them well, there's spot down low. Yeah. Like, that's – Elias Pettersson's primary function is, yeah, get that shot off, but it's also drag some bodies towards that left circle from the from the penalty killer's vantage point. I think the other thing I need to see from the power play, at least down the stretch, is – like, Pettersson has been amazing this year in, in most facets, facets of the game. I want to see him get more power play goals. Mm-hmm. And like a lot. Well, of they it, love doing this play right now, where he, where he fades out to the blue line. I hate line. this play. It's it's. I I get it, what you're trying to do. It, it it's allowing the opportunity for him to get a shot off. Yes. I don't understand why you have to send him. I would rather He's basically doing fadeaway threes from the halfway line. So you <laughs> yeah. don't need to do this. Yeah. I know you might have Steph Curry, but Steph Curry doesn't need to shoot fadeaway threes at the halfway line. Yeah. With w- with 18 on the shot clock, so you can work him around. I would rather him, if you're going to move him, move him low. Move him closer to the net. Get get him in more prime scoring 
places. And look, some sometimes it's going to be defended, but make the defense work to cover that. And I think when they put him at the point, we all know how good his shot is, mm-hmm. but it's still minimizing what he can do on the power play. Especially when there was just recent stretches. It's not even that far removed. Like the Islanders game, uh, like that stretch from the Islanders, those Detroit games, and the Predators game. We saw like rotations. Like Miller was going down to Pedersen's side. Hughes was willing to move around. And here in these last couple, it's gone stagnant again. Remember when Boudreaux took over and we were all like, oh my goodness, look at the power play. They're moving and stuff. Do that again. I don't know why why they went away from it. It was successful. It's always successful for most teams. And I know it's it's easy to fall back on like having a set formation and trying to work within that, but if you're showing that you're willing to move Pedersen and Hughes, like I want to see Hughes be more of a a rover on the power play mm-hmm. and and be able to control the puck in different areas as opposed to just facilitating on the blue line. Um, One thing that's required for that, though, is responsibility on the forwards. Yeah. Because that's all well and good. You know what this team also leads in? Shorthanded goals against. Yeah. So, but obviously... You're going to require Elias Pettersson and JT Miller to kind of sirens be up when Quinn Hughes wants to rove. Mm -hmm. But I do think Pettersson, theoretically, should have the awareness to be able to do that. So long as he doesn't do that play against the Blues (laughs) where he stops at the blue line for no reason. Don't do that thing again. But whatever usually, that was, yeah, usually he's he's good. Um, but I think just down the stretch, as far as the power play goes, like you you have these games, and we keep talking about it, it, it being extended training camp. You have these games to try new things, and when one facet of your game is struggling, and you're playing in games down the stretch that mean nothing, try new things, and that's that's what I want to see from the power play down the stretch. And I guess Besser is, is technically a new thing. Well, not. Nah, well, new old thing. Yeah. But try try different things as opposed to going back to what kind of worked before. Dom? A bit of breaking news for Canada baseball. They just won 5 nothing over Columbia on Sportsnet. It will be the first time Canada advances to the WCB quarterfinals. However, we have some bad news. Freddie Freeman out with a strained hamstring. But catch that game on uh, Sportsnet. That is bad news. Tough news for uh for Freeman. Mm-hmm. Certainly don't want to see guys get injured in the tune-up tournament for the season. No, and and you know the major league teams are like, ah, oh yeah, why are you doing this? Because they're they're already like working on pitch counts and stuff as if they were in spring training. Mm-hmm. But that's the, it's the same in in any national tournament, I guess. The if it's the Olympics, the Olympics, yeah. NHL doesn't want players to go because they can get injured Ooh. and such, and sometimes it happens. I feel like it's an occupational hazard. Like, yeah, if he, they get hurt in the NHL, it's like different circumstances. But is it – yeah, like he could have gotten hurt in spring training. And it, it might have just been the same thing. But you never know. The whole Yeah, the whole point of the Olympics is you're still growing the game. You're still getting benefits out of it. But, yes, you're risking injury no matter what. Uh, 650, 650, this, this text coming in. Uh, I think we should hold judgment on this team until 30 games – into next season then we'll see what the coaches have done differently improved or not improved and we can can't judge them based on the teams uh taking a slightly uh, all right yeah this one uh, guys have been excited for a new coach yeah the guys have been excited for a new coach uh it's deja vu false hopes right now so let's wait for 30 game mark next year and see where we're at 
absolutely valid. I think 30 games might be too many, but... Did, yeah, did it take 30 games, games for us to know where the yeah. Canucks were at this season? 10 games? 7 games? Can I take issue with the whole, this is the exact same thing as last year conversation well, that keeps popping up? Well, we've been uh, mentioning that there's merits to it, and there's things that are not true about it. Sure. The things that are not true about it is... The, like if we even sat here last year, we're like, "Wow, Thatcher Demko is really good." Yeah. That was that was the game story every, almost every game. Yeah. It was either Thatcher Demko or the power play put up four. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, they really got through that one because of one of these two things. They're playing functionally better hockey. It's just people aren't going to buy into it, and I understand why. But like I- I'm not I'm not sitting here trying to sell you on the idea that you should buy into this, but you can also ignore parts of that narrative too. Mm-hmm. And, and, just, have to, and just sit in the middle. They're they're still playing the games. Like you can't just look at these games as like un like you, you, you have these to These are still NHL sanctioned games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's still you can still put some amount of weight. Yeah. And I, I'll agree with most texters when I put minimal weight on these games, but you still have to find like the opposite would be worse. If the Canucks were still playing really bad right now. And I know that'd be great for the tank, mm-hmm. but as far as going into next season, if you wanted to be a playoff team like this management group seems to want to be, this is the better scenario of like, hey, it looks like things are going well, but again, regardless of what happens, we we all know that it still has to translate into next season. But we have to judge process, right? That's yeah. the main thing. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Whether or not they're playing top-level competition, you have to judge process. And I feel like a lot of people just want to throw it out the window because it's, oh, they're playing the well, Ducks. Well, the benefit of the doubt thing now, right? It's We've seen this multiple times. Yeah, you have to earn it. And I don't think there's any way they can earn it through the rest and, of this season. And, and we can't fast forward till September. That's the thing. Just got to grit your teeth and go through this. But how is how have we seen this multiple times? That's the part that I struggle with because we haven't seen this type of process, this type of structure. But last year... It was river as, hockey. As, as much as we're yeah, as much as we talked about like Demko, all this, the thing we attributed it to was, hey, the vibes are a lot better. <laughs> the vibes are better. We yeah, were but, all about vibes last but year, but we've grown since then. We know what you know. The but BS should, meter is high. Like we know grow. what to look for. And the idea was the slate is clean for everyone now, and now they can come into the season refreshed. Like that was the sentiment of why for the people that were like, hey, this could work, this could work, this could work. You know, Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford. Kind of said the fifty-seven games, like yeah, okay, we really relied on our goalie. They weren't yeah. that impressed with it, and that was the lesson there. The thing is, they ran it back with Bruce, and that's a problem that extends beyond management. That goes upstairs to ownership. It's not as if Jim Rutherford's like, hey, two-year deal for Bruce. It should have been an interim thing. Yeah, run it to the end of the season. That didn't happen, and so you're setting yourself up to fail this season, and you, you end up where you are now. And I I will say next year, if this fails, like, this season is also on management. I'm not trying to take any blame. Well, they didn't make changes. No. Yeah. But next season going into it, you got your coach. You have another offseason, another trade deadline where you did what you wanted to do. Theoretically, we'll see what they do this offseason. Now it's completely on you, I would say, next season. If this starts again, if if they start horrible again, now it's management who has to take maybe not 100% of the blame, but a bigger a portion share. of the blame. 
which is why I'm operating under the assumption we're not going to see the same defense next year. No, because they that would be a there's no way they bring they, back the same. defense. They want it well at at the bare minimum. They've already changed it because yeah. Phil Pronix here. But and even Shenzo. beyond that, there should be more changes beyond that. We got a text earlier when we were talking about this. Uh, our guy CD Lamb, or actually he's changed his name to Michael Irvin from Richmond now. <laughs> uh, can't wait till Alvin Harper from Richmond starts texting in. Uh, Bick, I thought you knew sports, not like the clowns that sit beside you. Poor Josh. Oh, man. Myers gets his bonus and is traded to Phoenix with a third and a fourth. Uh, Brock goes to Calgary with the Canucks retaining 1.8 for a late pick. And Brock goes on to score 30. And Garland is bought out. OEL is back with Philip Hironic. That's a text that came in earlier. Because we're talking about how to change the money, right? Mm-hmm. There's $24 million, $25 million that has to just work better for you. The Myers thing is well, Myers does has a no modified no trade clause. And his his agents are smart enough to know what teams I'd, I'd be willing to bet. I don't know the ten teams on Myers' no <laughs> trade clause. I'd be willing to bet Arizona's on there. And you know, Sat and I have been talking about this on the post game show. I feel like the like once you pay out the five million dollars, you're probably gonna say we want a handful of games back. We wanna say we got forty games out of this five million dollars. So, is there a scenario where they take Tyler Myers till January, move him out, and then they get their replacement in January? I guess. I I would still be on board with trying to – and I guess you're limited in what your options are this offseason if you're dead set on moving him. It's a big price tag. Um like I, I believe that there could be a, a real return. I'm not talking overwhelming like, wow, that changes the franchise. They got a first-round pick. But no. I – Come January, come February, like we're talking about a million dollars on salary on that deal. Prorated? And it would well, be- if, once you pay the $5 million bonus, right, it's just a million dollars left on Tyler Myers, like real cash. Yeah. That's all that's left. Mm-hmm. If they trade him in September, okay, it's still a million dollars. But if you trade him come January, January, February, five. It's, it's, it's nothing. If you retain yeah. half, half of it, it's, it's nothing for a team. Someone will want Tyler Myers. Despite all of our concerns that we've said here, you're like, ah, I don't know. Like, Riley Stillman was just traded. Yeah. And Tyler Myers is a right-hander that can eat a lot of minutes. So I think there's a real version that come February, January, March, we'll see Tyler Myers moved. I love that Riley Stillman is the bar. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? Like, Travis yes. Hamanick was moved for a third-rounder. Yeah. Teams will look at game like, teams will look at what Tyler Myers did and what size he has, and they'll just convince himself convince themselves that he's a good piece. And there just aren't guys that can play 17, 18, 19 minutes on the right side. There just aren't. No. But does that does that allow you to put Philip Johansson in the AHL for 50-some-odd games and say, you work on your game for 50 games. Myers goes out, you come in. Is that a solution? Do they view it as once Myers goes out, Whatever piece we may get or other pieces we have in our organization, do we find our long-term solution that way? I, it, it would be one thing that I, I kind of gives me a bit of a hang-up on Myers being the initial move, that, that $5 million bonus, do they want some return on investment on that? I, I think it's – I can see the OEL buyout happening before we see a Myers trade. I agree. I like I think you have to start this offseason with the OEL buyout and knowing that you have it done. And then I'm not saying you have to move Myers, but you have to be able to move one of Besser, Myers, or Garland. And you might have to retain on Besser. 
but I just think you have to be able to free up one of those other big cap hits. And we're saying all this. We also don't know what's going to happen with JT Miller at the draft. If <laughs> Not to bring that up again. Why are you laughing? <laughs> uh, just but every I, time we bring up JT Miller. Yeah. Just, but we're, we're past March 3rd, and we're like, all right, it's over. It's like, no. It's never over. It's picking over. up steam. That's the lowest on the on the likelihood of possibilities, though. What was that movie? Um, Uncut Gems? No, I'm going to totally blank. Good one. The, the, the superhero movie, they, they made a TV show out of it. Um, Which one? Yeah, that's a lot. Of, like, all the superheroes. Justice League? No, Justice League? I'm, I'm totally blank on this. Um, of all the superheroes. Going to need you to be a bit more specific. Avengers. Just, just give me a minute here. I'll, I'll figure this out. Um, the, the guy's name is Rorschach. Uh, the Watchman. Oh, the Watchman, the Watchmen, oh. yeah. Where he has that line where it's like, you don't understand. I'm not in here with you. You're all in here with me. <laughs> I feel like that's the JT Miller conversation. <laughs> Any JT trade conversation, it's like, I thought we were done. It's like, you don't understand. <laughs> we're never done. We're, we're not done with the JT Miller conversation. Um, the JT Miller conversation isn't in here with us. We're in here with it. But, but, and that was a long winded analogy. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but the point is, like, I, I agree that the, the JT Miller likelihood scale of him getting traded is very low, but we did just see it at least have some discussions at the deadline, mm-hmm. and there's more cap flexibility for every team at the draft. So it might get revisited. We'll see if that frees up cap space, but working under the assumption that that doesn't happen, then. I think you got to move forward with the OEL buyout. Even if the Miller trade does happen, you still have to buy out OEL. Uh, Alistair and, and Victoria, 650, 650. Uh, Myers' bonus won't be paid until September after a lot of teams have already figured out their team. I'm not convinced he gets moved that easily. Again, in September, I think that's tough. And also, again, if they pay out the $5 million, is the team going to look at this and say, well, we just gave $5 million. We're just going to move them? Or do we want 50 games out of them? That's why they come February. Do you think there's any chance they move him before the signing bonus, though? But then, like, is, is a team desperate enough to... Then we're talking about, like, are you giving something up as well? Right. Are you f- making someone take on $6 million? Or do you just retain? But I guess you can only retain on the, the salary remaining. Um, or can you retain on the bonus? Well, I think if you do it before the bonus, yeah. you'd be retaining on the $6 million. Right? You'd still pay right. $3 million. So, but Theoretically, yes. you could retain, but that takes up for retention. But and also, well. if you went to Tyler Myers in June, you're like, hey, do you want $5 million in July instead of September? I think there's a way to make that work. I think there's a way to make that work. I don't think a lot of people are saying no to money earlier. No. I, I believe you can change that a little bit. But huh. how much will that functionally change the discussions of his trade? I don't think a whole lot because you're still paying out $5 million. And teams are still going to be working under the, the flat cap or – very limited cap increase. I guess we'll season. see. <laughs> Who knows what could happen? Um, but let's. Assume- what do you think the NHL, like the NHL accounting office, is just like, just like a ticker tape coming in? Be like, well, we got nineteen dollars from this concession today. Bally Sports. Oh no. <laughs> uh, Mike and Willoughby. What would it take to trade for to trade OAL? Mike, you don't want to know. It's too much. You 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 don't want to know. Think of what you think it's worth, and then add three first round picks. <laughs> Think of what the the Panthers just gave up for the first overall pick. Double it. Yeah. And you get nothing back. And you get nothing back. <laughs> yeah. 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 
You get nothing Ooh. in return other than cap space. But just, even then, just do the math, right? How much does it take to move a contract? Six million for a first round pick, give or take. There's 29 million left on Oliver Ekman's deal. If you bought him out, it's 19 million, but it's 29 million left on the deal. Does it not make more sense to buy him out? I know you're paying him out over the course of how Again, many years, but like the cap we're is gonna, talking by the time we're in four, the fourth year of the buyout, the cap's going to be up four million anyway. We're talking about We've said five. That a lot of times we're so. talking about five first round picks then. Like if that's the math, one first round pick is worth six million dollars. Twenty nine million is five first round picks. Yeah. If I'm giving up five first round picks, I'm probably just giving give up a bit more to try to move up to first overall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to be honest, like when we talk about this on the post game show, how much is it going to cost to move up for the first overall pick? I would say at least eight first round picks. Yeah. So I think we we mathed it out and it was like Pedersen, Hughes. And two or three first-round picks. Yeah. And one of them would be assuming that one of your first-round picks is top 10 to 15 this year. It's a lot. That's a, that's a spicy meatball. Because remember, it's not just that you're getting the player. You're also getting the player on an ELC. Yeah. So how much money are you actually saving for three years? It's huge. We don't have time to get into this, but I've, I had, the more I've been thinking about it, when just because you brought up Bedard ELC, mm-hmm. are the Canucks in the best position to strike – on an ELC out of any team in the bottom 10 right now? Oh, we'll have that conversation. Yeah. Afterwards. That's sometime. Very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, Vic Nazar, Josh Elliott, Wolf. Uh, traveling in March, Rogers has you covered. Get one Rome-like home day on Rogers when you travel between now and March 31st. To learn more, go to rogers.com. Yannick Hansen on the way here on the People Show. Home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to the People Show. Final segment, Canuck Central on the way at 4 o'clock with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Coming to you live from the Kinstech studio. Let's connect with Yannick Hansen. Brought to you by Magnuson Auto Group, Metro Ford, Port Coquitlam, and Magnuson Ford in Abbotsford on both sides of the Fraser to serve you. Yannick, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, we're doing good. Uh, counting down the last uh, 17 games for the Vancouver Canucks and Winners of four in a row, Yannick. Uh, are you seeing uh, noticeable improvement from the Vancouver Canucks? Well, they're winning, obviously, which is an improvement. Um, Demko came back. Um, again, they've been giving up a lot of shots some of the games, um, but, but they are playing better. Um, does that translate into, uh, into next year? That's the, that's the million-dollar question. So, again, everything that happens from here on in, I take with a grain of salt um, because we've seen this story before. Um, So, like I said, it's great if they continue down this path, uh, keeps winning, keeps playing well, um, and run the the gauntlet, if you will, keep winning. Um, I'd like that. Um, It obviously looks like they're out of the running for, for, for that first overall. So if you can't get that, well, let's see if we can start uh, with the right foot forward going into next year. But again, come October, nothing that's happening right now really matters. Uh, between this year and last season, are you noticing any differences in, in just how they're playing like structure-wise and system-wise? And is that something that can maybe carry over 
better into next season as opposed to what happened at the start of this year? I don't know. The problem is we've seen the story play out now. This is, this is the third time where they're playing well down the stretch, but they're out of it. Um, and the problem with that is that it's easy to play now. Um, there's no pressure. There's no stress. You're not worried about having to go out and beat this team that's out of the playoff um, and are just playing for, for, for free fall, if you will. So uh, until you play these games that actually matters, and you show up and you win these games, um, it's like I said, it's a different mentality. It's easier to play. Um, and we see they go out and, and they play well and they beat these teams that really needs the point like Ottawa uh, and so forth. Um, but that's what happened this time of year because you're playing, you're playing a little looser um, and you're not worried. You're not squeezing your stick because you have to come out and win tonight. Um, and then the game looks a little bit better than it than it probably is um, so like i said anything that happens from here on in like it's it, it's a wash for me um in sense of where i think they're going to start next year um so it's like i said it's great that they're that they're winning and hopefully it'll give them some confidence going into next year but again that's what we said last year too and then they started and it was just straight downhill um, so again, like I said, uh, I think it was last week, um, one or two extremes are, are good with me, um, winning a ton of games or, or losing a ton, as long as it's not 500 the rest of the way. One thing that has kind of emerged is it feels like a lot of the depth players are starting to improve as the season goes along, uh, whether it be Dakota Joshua, Nils Oman, or actually even the AHL guys that have come up, they're, they're showing reasonably well. Will, will that be noticed by other players that are kind of in that same mold? Because they're trying to build like the, the depth of the organization. Guys that are in the same spot like a Dakota Joshua last year, like a Phil DiGiuseppe who got a two-year deal just here recently. Like, Will that be noticed across the league if you're one of these fringe players that's looking for a spot in the AHL or the NHL? Well, it's, again, it's that thing where now you can experiment a little bit more and you can give all these guys a chance because there's no there's no stress about making the playoffs. And, and that's what the danger is about is that, oh, oh this guy's a pretty good player and like this is what he's going to come back and, and do October. But then when October comes, it's not the same. Um, but, again, it, it's nice when you look at teams around the league and it's like, okay, these guys are actually given a chance. They're not just... Uh, riding the pine pony or, or playing in the minors, you're, you're getting moved up and down. So you can see that you have a legitimate shot. Um, and again, when you even look further and you look at Kuzmenko, because that time will come as well when you have to sign all these um, college free agents, mm-hmm. uh, European players, you're looking at a guy like that and you said, okay, he came out of uh, out of Russia with little expectations, but, but yeah, he was given a heck of an opportunity in Vancouver and, and he took it and he ran with it. Um, but again, he was given that opportunity, and that's what a lot of these guys look for. So that's one of the positives that you can look to. That when you're going out uh, hunting for these uh, these diamonds in the rough, that, that that you aren't expecting too much out of, or you don't have them penciled in in any way because you don't know where they're signing yet. And all of a sudden, a Kuzmenko drops in your lap, and you have a 30 goal score. And again, those are the wins we could use right now. 
because they're they, they've been preaching this development path that they want to you know build up the AHL and get these guys into the NHL. And now there's at least proof of performance for it, right? You've seen some guys come in and obviously go down and try to work on their games, whether it's put Coles in or Joshua or Oman. And I'm just curious, like if that resonates with guys across the league, that if if you need development. And if, if you come to this this organization, they're going to pr- try to put some work into you rather than just, hey, here's some money, go figure it out for yourself. I think that's, that they're, they do that everywhere. Uh, that's not just Vancouver. Uh, if the develop, that's why the, the American League is there. Um, again, you don't have as much time as you used to, um, but nobody's writing you off anywhere. Um, so, so I don't think that's a, that's a huge selling point for them. Uh, we talk about developing these players and, and trying to get them more minutes, but uh, in the last few games, it's still been Quinn Hughes playing near 30 minutes and, and JT Miller and Elias Pettersson uh, getting a lot as well. Is that a concern for you down the stretch when they're when they're playing this much in games that don't mean a whole lot? <laughs> well, it's, it's uh, kind of a, a two sides to that coin. Again, you're, you're, you're obviously playing to win when you're playing like, like that. Um, but again, you, you'd love to see JT Miller turn his uh, his season around, and he has, um, in a sense that that when we started this year and early in this season, we had trouble with uh, okay, who's our center here if we trade Bowl because um, he wasn't he wasn't performing. They shifted him to the wing, and we were always talking. Where now all of a sudden JT looks like a, a real legitimate number two. Even uh, you you could pawn him off as, as a number one. Uh, in terms of his production so that that's good to see um but but again it keeps coming back here to uh the point we are in the season and and what means and, and all these things so it, it's uh that that's what frustrating we're not playing meaningful games because it's so hard to get a read on on guys and lines and and where they fit in and all these things because are are pd able to to perform like this when we have to go out and win tonight against Dallas. Is he able to do that? Um, you don't really know because we haven't really been in a situation like this uh, where it's been uh, do or die because they've been, they've been out of it for so long in the past couple of years here. That it would be nice to get a read on them that, that when games truly matters, um, how they're performing. How many minutes does a young player like Pod Colson or like Kravtsov need? If they if they are in the NHL, they're in the starting lineup, how much do you want to see them play per game if they, if they are going to continue to grow their game? Like is there a is there a minimum they have to play? Yeah, there is. Um like when when I played, uh, if I was around the, the 13 to 15 minute mark, that that was good for me in the way I played. Uh, more than that, I, I felt like I started cheated, cheating a little bit. I wasn't finishing all my checks. He um, wasn't forechecking as hard. Uh, maybe I just wasn't in good enough shape. Um, but that was good for me. It was killing penalties, and that kept kept me engaged. As soon as you start creeping under that and, and getting nearing uh, 10 minutes, then a lot of your shifts when you stepped on the ice, you're cold. Um, your hands didn't feel proper when you, when you touched the puck and stuff, stuff like that. Um, so, so for me, that was that part. Again, if you play power play, those, those minutes can can go way up higher because again, you're not you're not working the same way when you're out there. Um, but but again, I'd hate to see them getting down into yeah, uh, 10, 11, 12 minutes, um, especially even though they're playing on on the third or fourth line, depending on what you call it. Um, but but around that 13 to 15 mark, then then you're engaged and and you feel like your your shift is coming up. Uh, at a fairly regular pace. 
with the minutes conversation because it's, it's, it's we're we're constantly dealing with it right now as fans are looking at every game here and yeah they're winning but there's a thing of like Quinn Hughes is playing 27 to 29 minutes sometimes he's clipped 30 and it's not giving enough opportunities for other players but I, I would look at it and say like how qualified are some of these players to play 18 to 22 minutes especially on the blue line are you okay with Quinn Hughes playing this much right now? That's the problem. The blue line isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can't just say, oh, well, let's take, uh, let's take 10 minutes away from Quinn and give it to somebody else. Well, if that somebody else doesn't earn it or deserve it, well, I don't want them having the minutes either. Um, you, you need players fighting and earning their minutes. Um, and again, that is the big question mark as well going into the summer. Are we going to redo this defense? Um, the guy they traded for, obviously, he hasn't played. He would eat up some minutes as well. Um, so, so there is some to be said there. Um, but when you have a big hole on the back end like that, um, and again, you're trying to win hockey games, you're going to put your best players out there that gives you the best opportunity to win. And on the back end, that, that is Quinn Hughes. That's just the way it is right now. Um, and there aren't a lot of other strings to play on. A move like that for Rick Tockett, because I feel like that's also buying him some credibility for what this is going to mean for the main group, like your Pedersen, your Hughes, your Miller, Demko, moving into next season. The fact that he's not just cutting the minutes of these guys just for the sake of, hey, well, these games don't matter. I, I, like, Is that a benefit to him as well for credibility reasons with the big players for next year? Yeah, you're trying to create a, a relationship with them, if you will, um, see how they respond. Right now he has a he has an opportunity to like play the shit out of these guys and then see how they respond. Um, Cause there will come a time, hopefully that when games really do matter and how much can I push these guys? And again, you, you want them, you want them being happy, feeling good about themselves, um, getting them out on the ice, touching the puck and all these things. So it is, there's always, it's a fine line between not giving them too much and also not taking away. So they don't feel like they're, appreciated if you will if that's the right way to use so um that's some of the things that goes into again coaching and and how you're dealing with the with the individual on your teams and, and not just the team as you will one thing that has improved lately for them has been the uh the penalty kill have you noticed them doing anything different on the pk or has it just come down to demko being healthy and and helping them out there well the fact that you're getting those extra saves that in the past have gone in, obviously changed something. It seems like they got a little bit more confidence as well. Um, they've been scoring shorthanded, um, which obviously means you're, you're not as much in your own end uh, either. Um, but, but again, it, if we come back to it, this needs to happen when it matters. Um, it's great that, that they're starting to kill off with a little bit more consistency. Um, and you can hope that it, that it carries on and then they'll start. Um, Again, it is new coaching staff. And maybe they've implemented some new, implemented some new um, rules or agreements, if you will. Um, but again, it, 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 the sample size is, is a little bit too small to say, okay, they've, they've turned a corner. So from a judgment point of view, like if you're the management group and you're looking at this stretch here, can you take anything tangibly from this? Like, I, I'm curious, like how many resolutions on the roster can you come away from with the last 20 games here? So you keep winning, and then you say, oh, we come back with the same decor. <laughs> um, 
Is that where you're going with this? No, I, I, uh, I'm more I'm more meant for like roles. In, in, in particular, yeah. like Joshua and Nils Oman have been playing PK roles here recently. If the PK had success down the stretch, do you say, okay, at least that's something solved for us? I think for the decor, I think we've answered that question. But in, in, in situational moments, are there guys that are claiming spots for next year? Yeah, they can definitely get some development minutes in here, if you will. Like you say, somebody who maybe hasn't killed as much, as many penalties. You give them some more opportunities. Maybe you start them as well, so it's not just you're getting the last 15, 20 minutes when the other unit, uh, the other, when the power play second unit coming over the boards and stuff like that. Give them the, the pressure minutes, if you will. Um, so there, it does have some value um, to that. Um, but, but again, it, it's, it's very, very hard to, to judge, and I'd be careful reading too much into what happened between now and then like my opinion was formed when the games mattered Mm -hmm. the first half of the season 50 games into the season um and then if you're good the last 15 20 games well that doesn't matter it doesn't matter to me because now we're out of it Uh, and who cares if you're scoring 10 goals at the end of the year here where were those 10 goals in the beginning of the season when we kept losing by one goal um and that's the point where when the games matters um, some players find a way and step up and some teams have a way of, of winning games because of culture, experience, all of these things. And that's obviously something they're trying to, to create, um, but, but it's not there yet. Uh, is there anyone you look at on the roster that you think maybe uh, you'd like to see get more of an opportunity, well, it, whether it be on the PK or, or maybe higher up in the lineup? It's always at this point, it's the young guys. Let's see what you have. Um, see if you can get them in. See if you can get them uh, in some roles to succeed. And it's kind of counterintuitive what it just said because, again, you can't read too much into it. But, again, if you have a player like Kratzov you just traded for who's the ninth uh, overall draft picks, which obviously got some offensive potential, well, I'd like to see what he's able to do. And then again, when you come back in October, he's not going to get first power play minutes because we know who that's going to. But again, you know that it might be there underneath and, and it's something that you can unearth. Um, so again, it's it's the young guys right now. Um, and it's again, it, it's seeing if you can uh, keep honing Pot Colson's uh, game so he come, becomes that power forward you're trying to mold him into. Um, but, but the older players they're kind of the players that they are. It's hard to change at that point in your career. So now you're, you're looking a little bit more at, on the younger side of the roster. Uh, actually, before we let you go, I forgot to ask you last week, because uh, we had just come off of the game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I wanted to ask you, what is it about beating Toronto that's just uh, so special for the players? Because we saw their best effort against Toronto and the crowd's all fired up. Like, well, Why is it always the Toronto game where we see the best effort for the Canucks? Um, well, when, when we were playing, we always had quite a few guys that were from Ontario, so it was special for them. Um, and then again, you have this, I'd say, chip on the shoulder a little bit because Toronto always feel like they were the center of the universe in, in terms of hockey. And they were poor all the years that we were playing pretty much. And we were good, so like they didn't really feel like they maybe deserved that because, again, they were... Uh, they didn't really do anything. They were always out of the playoffs, but all this attention. So there was a little bit of a, um, well, let's, let's show them off here or whatever you will. Um, so, so there was some, some animosity and that animosity was obviously also from 
um, management and ownership, uh, a little bit what happened with the Twins as well. So it wasn't just on the ice that was this um, uh, competitiveness between us. Um, but but yeah, no, those those are special games. So for, so for the for the ownership and management aspect, could could the players feel that version of it too? Um, early on, there was ways that we, that we saw it. Yes, that we did not see against other other teams. But I don't know if I can uh, uh, get into that a little bit further. All right, uh, Yannick, we appreciate it as always. Uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's Yannick Hansen, our guy who joins us every Tuesday here on The People's Show. Presentation of Magnuson Auto Group, Metro Ford, Port Coquitlam, Magnuson Ford, Abbotsford, on both sides of the Fraser to serve you. I wonder what it was. <laughs> yeah. Could just be any. Always like to beat the Leafs. Just didn't want to get into it. Regardless of uh, where you are in the organization. Yeah. It's a marquee game. Marquee game. I think the Canucks have beat them, is it six times in a row now? It's a lot. It's yeah, a lot. six times in a row on home ice. So even they get up for those games. Even coming back from COVID yeah. with nobody in the building. In the uh, bubble year. One of the best performances of the year. And, and honestly, like a, a, a standout memory for me. We're all very lucky to have, some of us, been very lucky to be at the games, obviously. Speak for Me- yourself. Yeah. I, <laughs> media members were allowed in yes. the building. Yeah. Like, that was a really cool moment. But there was nobody in the building. Mm-hmm. But it was against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Wasn't it uh, Niels Hoaglander had one really good game against the Leafs that year, I think? He had, he had a bunch of good games that year, though. Yeah. That was the Niels Hoaglander year. Yes. The rookie year. Yeah. He had a big one against Columbus. Uh, the year after. Mm-hmm. He's had a couple of big games. Yeah. Uh, all right. Good stuff from Yannick. As always, as we get ready for a Dallas game this evening, and Yannick uh, throwing a lot of cold water on what you can see the rest of this way. Again, for me, it's – I do feel like there are tangible things that you can see, the structure, but it you know to the point, it's like it's only relevant if it carries over till September. Yeah. So play well. But these are just seedlings to the tree we see in September. Beautiful. And the tree just, like, might be rotten by the time it comes down to September. Mm-hmm. And the other part of it is, like, you you have the team playing well with this structure right now, but we also expect there to be a lot of changes to the team. And, and we suspect it's changes for the better, but what if you bring someone in and they don't necessarily fit well with the team? You, you just never know. But identification I, of of player types into what you're trying to do is important. Massive. But I do think the coach and management now are so See aligned. the game similarly? Yes. Yeah. That everyone uh and, and the one thing I will say, if uh the the bright shining spot of Alvin and Rutherford's tenure so far has been pro scouting. And not the, a lot of misses. No. And, and the ones they did miss still min Lazar. They took care of. Miss small. Yeah. And hit big. Don't trade second rounders for <laughs> right. guys like Lyndon Bay and um, others. Yeah. Their small misses were Curtis Lazar. Mm-hmm. Again, Riley Stillman was kind of a big miss, but it's also rooted in the idea of cap dump for Jason Dickinson. But you also got something uh, in return like Josh Bloom out of it. So it doesn't look as bad. You essentially traded back with that second pick to get rid of. Uh, the Jason Dickinson contract and bring in Bear at the same time, and bring in Ethan Bear at the same time. We'll see if uh, something like that materializes. Could that be part of the off-season changes? Working our way towards the off-season, uh, these seventeen games still kind of important. 
appreciate it when you uh, tune in and be part of the post-game show. I'll be back later today with Satyar Shaw, Dan Riccio, and Sat coming up next with Canucks Central. Another edition of the People's Show. Myself and Josh will be back tomorrow after the Canucks game against the Stars. We'll talk about it then. See ya.